Let's pray. Father, um, we slow down and invite you here personally today. We don't want to leave here just doing church, checking something off. We need your light and your sun to shine in the dark areas of our life, of our world, of our church, in our communities. Will you shine brightly today? In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in the book of John, and um, this is week two. We're still in chapter one. And last week, we went over three verses. I'm just gonna read them real quick to you, just for some context. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. And he, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. A lot of redundancy there. Can you turn my microphone down just a little bit, please? So what we learned last week was this, is Jesus is outside of time with God. So he's always been here. One of the things we mentioned last week is one of the marks of being God is that you've always existed. You've always been here. So Jesus, being God, is outside of time. We also learned that Jesus is God. And Jesus was active in creating all things that we see and know. You and I, Jesus was active in creating the grass and the air and the birds and the sky. Jesus was there creating it. And as we get into verses four and five this week, it's gonna to continue to emphasize, um, put emphasis on that point. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter one, verses four and five. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's our theme for today, isn't it? In Christ, there is light. So John, in these two verses, begins to reveal to his audience, which is you and I, others who have read it, the purpose of Jesus coming to earth as a man. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In him, in Jesus, is life. We begin to see a dual meaning here in the phrase, in him was life. And um, again, John has been drawing parallels in the first few verses to open up his book between creation and Jesus, right? In the beginning, and here, here he is again drawing a parallel with Jesus and the beginning. It could also be said he's drawing parallels between life and creation. And I believe, I believe he draws another one here in verse four. John is referencing 
that in him, in Jesus, we have physical life. So if you're writing notes or taking notes, that could be one of your points. In Christ, I have physical life. John 1 through 3, all things uh, were made. Sorry, through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made. So John is reiterating the fact that in the beginning, our physical life only came through Jesus. Chris said that. Our physical life only came through Jesus. Therefore, without Jesus, we would not be here. Amen? The breath that we're breathing today came from Jesus. Jesus is the source of our life. Science often asks the question whether natural life developments could have been responsible for life if provided enough time. Any of you guys um, go to a secular college or secular school? You go to your biology class and they teach you what? That there was a big bang from the um, primordial soup or however you say it. And then out of combustion and time and things then provided enough time, that's where we've come about. Just enough time over enough time over enough time, then we just evolved and arrived to be here. Now, there was a study with people who are much smarter than me. It's called the Wistar Institute. They determined that life simply just can't come about from nothing. They said that it's mathematically impossible because there isn't enough time to just, just let it happen. Now, where did something, my question to you is, where did something that came from nothing create something, right? Where did something that came from nothing come to create everything that we see? Where did the soup come from? Where did the first cell come from? Well, what we understand is this, is in the beginning was God. God was here before everything. So, many of you guys know the watchmaker analogy. Anyone in here? All right, well, some of you don't, and um, this is probably my version because I'm gonna butcher it a little bit. I think you'll get the point. So, um, I have an iWatch or an Apple Watch, and it's very um, complex. So, it receives text messages, it has GPS in it, so if I'm taking a walk or a bike ride, independent of my phone, it can give me directions. It's pretty neat, isn't it? So, when I'm driving, it will buzz me. When people in the congregation are texting me during service, it dings me. Why are you texting me during church, bro? Like, don't text me unless my zipper is down. And if my zipper's down, just stand up and say something, please. You don't need to text me. So my watch is really complex. 
text messages, phone calls, um, time, GPS. Now, if you were to ask me where my watch came from, I'd tell you the Apple store. But if I told you that one day I was digging in my yard, and when I was digging in my yard and someone just texted me, I'm not even going to look who it is in here. <laughs> Come, just, just respond at the altar. <laughs> so if I'm digging in my backyard and I stumble upon this watch that's blue, kind of matches my pants, and it has Macy's beautiful face on it, and it tells the time, 10.53, and then it automatically synced up with my phone, and I just said, that watch just came about from a billion years of time. It just evolved, and it came together. You would look at me, and you would say, you are crazy. Would you not? Well, who created the Apple Watch? Something much more complex, right? We did. Humans did. So for science to ask this question and think that we could have just came from a billion years of sitting here in evolution, it, it seems kind of crazy, or it actually seems like that requires more faith. Likewise, when we look at the complexity of the world, which is much more complex than my watch, there seems to be people who think that we are crazy to think that there is a creator. So if a watch can't come from nothing, how can the complexity of life come from nothing? Only Jesus can be that life. So what John is letting us know is that life came from Jesus alone. Amen? Though, that's not the only thing that he was getting at. He wasn't just getting at our physical life and how it came from Christ. Within the dual meaning, John, I believe, is also getting to the point that Jesus is the source of our spiritual life. You can write that down if you're taking notes. Jesus is the source and the only source of our spiritual life. Now, why would John share that? Because most people only consider the first death rather than the second. Some people are confused here. What do you mean the second death? Two deaths? Yes, for most people, there are two deaths that we experience. There's our physical death. And I, and, and I say most, 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 I say most people. I say most people because most people will physically die. Now, according to scripture, not everyone has died, right? Enoch didn't die and Elijah didn't die. They were caught up in a whirlwind and um, God took Enoch. So not every, I, I can't guarantee that we're all gonna die I can guarantee that we're one day going to meet the creator. 
My point is there's two deaths and most people experience two deaths rather than one. The first death is our physical body dying. The second death that people experience is separation from Christ for eternity. And you say, why, why do you say most people will experience that? And I say that because the Bible says so. Few people live on the narrow road and enter through the small gate that leads to true life in Jesus. Many people enter through the open gate and live on the wide road that leads to destruction. So many people experience the two deaths. First being physical, second being separation from Jesus Christ. So after people experience their physical death, some experience spiritual life in Christ and most experience physical um, death absent of God's presence. John is letting us know that if we want life, a spiritual life, that we find that in Christ alone because Christ is life. Write that down. In Christ is life. John is saying those who are spiritually dead due to their sins need life, and that life comes from Jesus alone. So you say, I'm a good person, but without Jesus, we are dead in our sins. Amen? Maybe you have your good deeds today. Maybe you've paid it forward. Maybe you feel like you haven't sinned. We still have a need for Christ as uh, I was talking with Bob yesterday at the um, candy passing out, and thank you all for being there to help and uh, providing candy and cookies. I heard so many compliments from the community that they appreciated what our church does down on the square, that they appreciated the hot dogs and what a good idea it was and the presence that we have within our community. Uh, much of the community appreciated that, so thank you guys for being there to volunteer and to help make that happen. But when I was talking to Bob, he was just asking about my health and how my health was doing. And uh, I said, well, there's still a, a lot of unknowns. And one of the unknowns right now is I still have a swollen lymph node in my neck that they want to keep on searching out to try to figure out what's going on. So it's a little bit enlarged right now, and they haven't figured it out. And I said, Bob, here's the thing. I... Um, Am allowing God to humble me through this. And I think we need to allow everything to continually humble us. Because I don't think there's a certain point of humility that you get to that you don't need to be humble anymore. There's always a deeper surrender that we can present before God. And I think of Paul, when we look at Paul and he says, I am the greatest of all sinners. And we read, we, and, and this is all for free, nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> when, we, when we look at Paul, right, we're like, but wait a second, Paul, Paul is like um, perfect. He seems so awesome. Ever since he had his conversion, Paul seems like such this man of God. But then you see this humility in Paul where he says, wait a second, no, 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 no. Like, I am the greatest of all sinners. So there was a humility within Paul that said, I still need Christ. So as I was sharing that with, with Bob, I'm like, I'm allowing this to humble me because I still need Christ. 
I need him more and more each day. And if I'm going to be facing, you know, maybe, I don't think I have a cold. Maybe I have a cold. Maybe, who knows what it is. Whatever it is, be, uh, God be glorified. Amen? So, um, it's not about being a good person. Because without Christ, I'm dead in my sins. Romans 5.12 says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Every one of us in this room has sinned. Every one of us in this room has a need for Christ at a greater level this morning. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, as for me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What's that verse telling us? We too were messed up in our sin. So because we were all dead, we all needed life. You're aware of that, right? That's, that's a part of the gospel. Because we're sinners, we need life. John, John is letting us know that that life is in Christ. That's what he's getting at. John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Amen? Isn't that exciting? You guys know your mess. We're, we're all very political, aren't we? Just very political with our smiles and our actions. And, um, yeah. You know you better than, than I know you. You can share what you think is your deepest, darkest sin, and there's still some more. Right? This verse is telling us that we can cross over from death to life. And that's all because of Christ. John 5, 39 through 40. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So Jesus is saying, look, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, but you're still keeping your heart from me. You're refusing to come to me. So Jesus is revealing what? That in him there is life. John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So the idea that John is pointing to in John 1, 4, is we were all in spiritual darkness. But when we are born again, the light comes on. 
Amen. Second Corinthians uh, 4, 4 through 6. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord our, um, and ourselves as servants of Jesus or for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So the unbelievers are blinded by darkness. And it's because, because God's light shines on us that we're able to walk in relationship with him. So Jesus came to bring life, to reconcile us to God, which is great because it changes our current um, situations and our eternal landing spots. So how does that life, life or light come? How do we receive this light that John is referencing here in chapter one? John 11, he continues in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So how do you receive the light? You believe in Jesus Christ. Now, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a dependence on Jesus Christ. See, what's going on in me physically is reminding me of my physical need for Christ each day. That dependence on him each day. It requires me to walk closer to him each day. Because I have a habit, um, maybe many of you do too, I have a habit of when things are good, you just go about life. I am, I am in control of everything. The favor of God is on me. So I can just walk about life and do as I wish, right? All in the name of Christ. But I have to have the surrender to know that, that he is there. That I need to surrender to him. So just a little recap. A believer in Christ is someone who was dead in sin, but now has life in Christ. A believer in Christ is reconciled to Christ. A believer in Christ was once dead, but now alive in Christ. And I guess my question to you today is, do you feel alive in Christ today? Do you, do you see the light of Christ in your life? Let's continue to verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John is using a different description or illustration here to further his point. Essentially, John is letting us know that we need to be rescued from the darkness. You and I must be rescued from our sin. 
And maybe you are rescued from your sin today. But if you're rescued from that darkness, the light within you, I believe, should propel you to want to see the darkness turn to light in other people's lives as well. Amen? There should be this almost, um, I don't have a better word, possessed being about you that just has to do it, incessant. I've walked past many people um, past several weeks and just to see the darkness within their life and maybe weeks past I could pass them by and not pray. Maybe weeks past you just ignore them. Recent weeks, because of the humbling that God is doing in my heart, it's like, no, I need to stop and pray for them. You can see the darkness all over them. We must pray. We must want to see them experience the light as well. Either way, John is letting us know we must be um, saved from the darkness. And we're powerless to do anything about it. How do you save yourself from the darkness? You can't. You cannot save yourself from the darkness. Without Christ, everything is dark. Without Christ, you are doomed. You can't pay it forward. You can't serve at enough outreach events. Because you know what? We can serve at outreach events in vain as well. You realize that? We can, we can give to the community in vain. So you can tithe in vain. So true light doesn't do that. We are powerless to earn it. Humans have a need that we cannot fix. We need to be saved from darkness. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. Good deeds don't get us there. But the light shines. The light, which is Jesus, has come to earth to get us out of darkness. John is telling us that God's love and his power shines in the darkest places of this world. How about this? God's love and his power and his light shines in the darkest places of your heart. Amen? Those areas that the person you're sitting next to doesn't even know about, that you ask God to take from you, God's light is shining into those areas. You also have to open up the door. If you don't open up the door, the uh, light can't shine in. So God's knocking at our doors, isn't he? He's knocking. So we must open to let the light in. The good thing about the light is without the light, um, we would all still be stumbling over ourselves even more. You think you're a mess now? You think you can't get things organized now? You think that you can't overcome sin now? Without the light of Christ, it would be exponentially worse. We would never know what Jesus requires of us without his light. The fun thing to think about is this, though. Within Scripture, hundreds of years before Jesus came, it was prophesied 
that there was a light that was going to come. Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then Jesus arrived, and he said in John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus gave us physical life, and now he's giving us the ability with his light and with his life to have a spiritual life that overflows as we surrender and walk in following him. Amen? So we must follow him each day. Because of the light came to the world, we no longer have to walk in darkness. And today we have the opportunity to walk in light and freedom. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus finds himself praying in a garden with his friends. And he says, stand here and pray. Stay awake and pray. And he comes back and they're asleep. He says, wake up, pray. And he comes back and they're sleeping again. Any of you guys have any friends like that? How about this? Better question. Are you the friend that falls asleep? <laughs> now, I'll be honest. Macy's that way with, uh, whenever we watch movies. Hey, can we watch a movie together? Uh-huh. Five minutes later, I'm out. She's like, can't you just stay awake for 10 minutes? Yeah, I'm good, girl. I got this. 10 minutes later, I'm out. Can't you just stay awake? No. If it wasn't some sappy love story... Macy's not even really a sappy love story girl. It's more like these warrior shows. <sighs> it's crazy. That's where she's learned this from. <laughs> Either way, Jesus finds himself in a situation where his friends can't, his friends, people he's been walking around with for three years, can you pray? And whatever it was within them, they couldn't. Then his friend, who he walked with, decided that he would betray him for a little bit of coin. So he was, was arrested, brought to trial was beaten and bruised. He was crushed. You've seen what the Passion of Christ or the Chosen series tries to depict. But those series that we've seen in the pictures, the images that Hollywood has put in our head of our king cannot depict what he went through. He was made fun of. They took a crown of thorns and they shoved it on his head. I remember 
when I was showing pigs and you had to whip the pig to show it where to go. I felt bad about whipping the pig, right? I feel bad about stepping on my dog's toes and him barking at me like, what are you doing, bruh? It happens. Fed my dog this morning and she's so hungry because she's crazy. She literally just swallows her whole food. So now she's like doing this reverse hiccup, coughing, trying to get her food out. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. If it's Macy, I feel like I've watched enough TV to do the uh, Heimlich maneuver. But how do you Heimlich a dog? You put it on the side. I mean, like, do you flip it upside down? What do you do? Do you tap it on his back like a baby? I felt bad because a dog that, the, however you can love a dog, is now coughing and you don't know what's going to happen to it. But my dog pales in comparison to Jesus. See, Jesus just wasn't coughing up his food, reverse hiccuping. Jesus was broken and crushed. The light of the world was broken and crushed for you and I. His friend and friends betrayed him. They put the crown on his head, put a purple robe over him, put a cross on his back after beating and abusing him and said, you're going to walk up this hill, up the hill to Golgotha, where he was hung to die as a common criminal. We've cried over goldfish. We've cried over animals. The light of the world, the word that became flesh, came for his blood to be spilled on the cross so that you and I no longer had to walk in darkness. He was... He was put up there as a common criminal. His hands and feet were nailed to the cross. My world has ended when I've barely tapped my finger with a hammer. But his his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross. He was hated by those who he came to save. And after he died, he was laid to rest in a tomb. And John, through his book, in these verses, four and five, is letting us know that Jesus has conquered death. He is God, and he is our light. John points to the resurrection in these, these verses, I believe. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines. So John is saying that the light of Jesus is shining right now for you and I. Do you actually believe that? 2020. It's 2020. I um, found myself in a store the other day. And while I was in this store, um, I went to the male bathroom and was using a urinal. So 
I know it was the male bathroom. I didn't know it was. And you, I heard someone in the stall, and I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm like, that's what happens in the bathroom. So I did what, I finished everything and tightened up my pants. And I walk over to wash my hands, washing my hands, and I look at the dude next to me to um, say what's up or how you doing or just give him this. And I look over to give this dude the what's up, and it was a chick in the dude's bathroom. So then I do one of these, like, yep, I peed in a urinal. <laughs> I'm in the right spot. A couple days later, I was at the same store. There was an 11-year-old boy. It's not Halloween. It's not just an 11-year-old boy in a dress, walking around, just spaghetti strapped, just doing his thing. Darkness has not overcome this world. Darkness cannot overcome this world. No matter who gets elected, no matter how much the church is persecuted, the enemy will not prevail. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus... What's being said here is this, is John is saying that the light is shining right now. Right now, in this world, the light is shining. Jesus is shining. Jesus is still shining in our world very brightly today. Then John furthers it, and he talks about something that is finished, something that Dave was... um, Suggesting earlier, the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot and will not overcome the light. So, so John is saying, this is finished. It's done. This is how powerful Jesus is. Now, I'm not saying you name or claim Lam- Lamborghinis or name or claim bigger houses. I don't believe in naming or claiming. But what I do believe in is darkness will not overcome the light. And there is a finished victory in that. John talks about something that is finished here. The darkness has not overcome it. Darkness will not and cannot overcome light. 2020 cannot overcome Jesus as light. Jesus has defeated the grave and darkness will not win if we receive the light. Will you receive the light today? See, there's so much to look forward to. Usually what ends up happening in why we're so frustrated as a church, and we try to say, well, it's righteous anger. There ain't no righteous bone in your body except Jesus. So don't tell me you got some righteous anger. Jesus in 2020 is working. 
I don't care who gets elected, Jesus is working. Jesus is working in your situation. But we must receive him as our Lord and Savior. We must receive him and accept him and follow him as that light. Amen? I think we can go back for the past several years. I've talked about God sifting his church. Go back and we can find it somewhere in the archives. Still believe that God is sifting his church. Who likes to be sifted? Who needs to be sifted? I need sifted. And the unique thing about sifting is this, is um, sifting reveals to you who you really are. In 2020, it feels like, you know, we started with like the, the bigger gauged, just some of the easy things. And it seems like every day, the sifting gets smaller and smaller and more personal and more personal and more personal. And it gets harder and harder to deal with 2020 because of things that are taking place. So for me, it's like, oh, we're two weeks off of church. Or now I have to learn technology to preach to the church. Or now I can't see the church. Or now I can't see family. And now on top of all those things, right, now I got some health things going on and just greater sifting taking place. So why do you bring that up? Well, I bring that up because there must be a humility in the light or to the light of Christ each day. And I think there needs to be a re-up within all of our lives as a church. Not just this church, but the big church, right? A surrender before God. We keep on just thinking that if we sit at home, God's going to move. I heard someone once say, God's not going to move when you're at home. God's going to move when you get up. So today, I just wanted to provide us an opportunity out of a confession. Just a simple declaration of you standing up to say, Jesus, Son of God, light of the world. I have things that I need to repent of and I have things that I need to give to you. And I'm gonna to try to put my right foot in front of my left and say yes to that. So if that's you today, who just knows that there's something that God wants you to give up and you wanna accept him, uh, I can't say accept him more, just re-up. Just say, God, I, I wanna re-up with you today. I'm just going to ask that you'd stand up just as a confession. God, I got things to give to you. And I'm standing up. Um, so if I were sitting, I'd be standing up. God, I have things I got to give to you. And then I'm going to pray. And we're going to get out of here. <clears throat> Father, um, just in humility, there's things that you're asking of me. And there's things that you're asking of us as a church, individuals and families to give to you. Help us. Help us um, yield to your light in our life.
You are the light of the world. Nothing we can do can earn it. Thank you for your light. And I pray that your light would shine brightly on our spirits, on our hearts, on our minds, on our families, Father, in our health. Shine brightly, Father. Convict us. Lead us to repentance. May we say sorry. Bring forth the things that you're filtering out of us, Father. May we get rid of them. May we poke them out. May we chop them off. May we get rid of them today. No returning. Thank you for sending Jesus. Father, may help us, help us be thankful for the light. Help us become more thankful of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I did appreciate uh, Chris saying, it's all about Jesus, and he hasn't been said yet today. So Jesus, 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 amen.